bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. Have you ever wanted to go on a photo adventure in and around the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico? Well, come join me and Federico Chiele for an unforgettable adventure. We're heading down February 11th through February 18th of 2017. You can check out all the details at twipwanderlust.com. That's twipwanderlust.com. This is Twip, episode 499, The Photographer's Dilemma. A photographer captures footage of an uncontacted Amazonian tribe. Magic Lantern unlocks your Canon's hidden powers and 10 things to consider before starting a 365 project. It's Monday, January 9th, 2017, and this is TWIP. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me for... Jeez, episode 499 of the show. One left until 500. Mr. Dave Dugdale. Dave Darling, always mess up your name. Every single time you come on the show, I mess up your name. Dave Dugdale from learningvideo.com. And you had your, you changed the name of your show, right? It was. Yeah, it used to be learning DSLR video. Four, four letters in there. Yeah, yeah I got rid of those. Yeah. And now it's just learning video. Dave yeah. Dugdale. Dave Dugdale. See? Yeah. Uh, it's in there. And also Sarah France from France Photographers. Hey, Sarah France. How you doing? Hello. Great. Welcome to the show. Look at your fancy, your fancy schmancy lighting over there. I know. Isn't it so great? This is the jankiest lighting setup I've ever had for you guys, very, but it looks I'm like on a, the road. It's a mystery story. It looks like a mystery story. And you're like, the, it's got you're, you're coming fog. to your room to talk to the guy to find your husband or something. Coming to you live from the air. No, <laughs> it's not quite that janky. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to both of you guys. Let's dive into the show. There's some cool topics to talk about this week. Number one, this is interesting, and I have a feeling this is going to generate some some opinions. Story number one. So a photographer has captured some images, and this comes to us from The Independent. A photographer has captured images of an uncontacted tribe in the Amazon. So if you go look at this story, we're going to link to it, but if you go look at it, you have these shots of a photographer who was in a helicopter flying really low through the Amazon and taking pictures of this tribe that no one knew was even there. In fact, they're living the way folks lived several hundred years ago, thousand, whatever years ago. And um, so the question is I have for you guys, what do you think about that? Sarah, I want to throw it to you first. Was, is that, is it a good thing or was it a bad thing that he was taking photos of these folks? I mean, I definitely initially when I heard about it and before I like saw the pictures and uh, I thought, oh, well, it sounded like he was he was flying high enough that they like didn't notice him and he was taking really great shots. But once they I saw the photos, spears. I was, <laughs> they were like running and hiding. I mean, a helicopter has got to be a like insane thing for them to even like, see. Yeah, just like and they've got to be thinking like these people are coming after us. They're going to, you know shoot spears at us or something uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. we're like no just the camera um so i mean it's really cool for us to see but i think it's one of those things that's like well i mean yeah it's really cool for us to ride elephants too but it's not necessarily a great thing for them yeah, so yeah that's similar to what i, I was mean, thinking i, mean, I was yeah. it, dave i definitely want to get your thoughts on this but i when i saw this i was like because you like the the sh- the photos they showed of a guy you know he's he's flying low and you see these terrified people hiding in the bushes throwing spears at the at this crazy flying pterodactyl you know and I'm like this do do the photos really help you know do we really need to see what these people are doing or I don't know I I had a I had an instant visceral negative reaction to it. You know, I understand the scientific implications of it. And, you know, okay, this is a slice of time. We could learn so much from them. But on the other hand, I'm like, wow, can't you just leave these people alone? You know, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, so I was thinking, you know, that 
those shots are so clear and you could see like the people like pulling back bows, bows <laughs> yeah. and, and stuff yeah. like that yeah i'm thinking he probably had what 7200 maybe i don't know what he had with him but that means he was probably relatively close and i don't know how far an arrow can reach but you know it's one of those things where i gotta think you know they watch planes fly over during the day but you know they know about planes they I'm sure they've had some contact with people. Yeah, it's I'm not, guessing. It, yeah, it's not complete. They're not completely thing. cut off. But you know. and they probably didn't even know what a gun is. So, but they might not be able to know what the difference between a gun and a camera. So, if somebody's pointing a camera at them, then yeah, maybe the guy's going to shoot a bow at them. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So, I yeah, it's kind of one of those things where yeah, maybe you should just leave them alone. You know, you know. In one way, I think our fascination is here. There's people that. They don't have any email. They don't have to have text. They don't have Ugh. a phone call. They don't have to deal with any of that stuff. It's really nice. You know, uh-huh. from that standpoint, you know, you look at it, it's this nice, pure environment that's not tainted or anything like what we've got. Um, so, but yeah, it would, I, it's almost kind of an evasion, especially the way they look up at the camera. Right. Uh, yeah. I was just privacy. thinking, have you guys seen the movie? Uh, you remember the James Cameron movie Avatar? Yeah. So oh, yeah. That, that's what like that made me think of like the, the innocent blue Navi <laughs> yeah. living on their beautiful planet. And here comes the military with their crazy flying machines to mess them up. You know, and I, I totally yeah. thought about that. Only in this case, you're just kind of infringing on them taking photos. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, Dave, the same thing. It's um, the yeah, I'm sure that helicopter wasn't the first piece of technology that they'd seen. In fact, one of the photos, you look at the photos on that page, one of them shows one of the, one of the, the, the indigenous people, I guess, holding what looked like a, like a, a machete that was, which they didn't make. Right. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure that they're not, they're completely, they're not completely isolated, but at the same time, you know, if, if their if their level of sophistication when it comes to, you know, 20th century gear, 21st century gear then you wouldn't be throwing a spear at uh, <laughs> a helicopter yeah. right the fact yeah. that they're throwing a spear at a helicopter kind of reveals that they don't they're not hip on you know what this thing up there is so i don't know it's it's scary sarah sarah if you had the opportunity you're a photographer you love taking great pictures and sharing them with the world oh. you had the chance to get in that helicopter and this story hadn't broken yet, so you don't know what people are going to say. But you, would you jump in the helicopter? Like, hey, we just we think we found a, a civilization that has not really been touched by outside influences. We're going to go fly low, maybe three hundred feet, and get some shots of it. Sarah, do you want to go? <laughs> what would you do? I mean, that's really hard to pass up, no <laughs> doubt. I mean, I would be like, we're too low, you guys. Come on, they can. Uh-huh. They, they know we're around. I'm. My fiance is helicopter pilot, so I would just make sure he was the pilot so I could make sure he stayed not invasive. But I'm sure either way they would have seen him. It's completely quiet mostly in that area. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, they're, it's not like we can hide helicopters around here, but yeah. um, that's hard. I mean, I can totally see why you did it. And mm-hmm. um, it's such an amazing opportunity, but... And definitely after the fact, I guess he's probably feeling a little bit of the same of like, oh, that's yeah, rough. Sure I mean, we, I think we've all kind of been there yeah, in one yeah. way or, or another, like in a situation where all of a sudden you're like, this is awkward and I feel like I shouldn't be here. Um, I, with weddings, I feel it frequently. So yeah. it's sometimes... It's the photojournalist yeah. thing where even in the military, you, you the it's the constant question of do I document this situation or do yeah. I participate in the situation? Right. right. My job is right. photographer. So clearly if I go back without any images, I'm not doing my job, but at the same time I could stop, you know, people from getting right. hurt if I participate. So yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a catch 22. It's even fight or flight. Like I wrote this blog post a while ago, I call it fight or light. And it was the idea that, Hey, someone pulls up in front of an emergency room. There's no one. It's kind of deserted. Everybody's on break or something. And they drop a body on, you know, with somebody that's 
alive, but someone that's been hurt, they drop it off in front of the emergency room. You see this happening and you recognize the person they dropped as being someone famous, either politically or entertainment wise. Do you take photos or do you help the person? Now, it looks you know that someone's going to come out eventually and they don't look mortally wounded. So what what would you do? Dave, Dave, Dave. Honestly, I feel like it I feel like in my situation or at least for me, I'm not that kind of photographer. Yeah. So, I would help them right away cuz I just I don't have that instinct and mm-hmm. and I as like a real like down and dirty photojournalist and that's mm-hmm. why I don't do that because I don't think I could. But even so, then, even as a down and dirty photojournalist, in that case, in the case that I painted, you're isolated. So yeah. like you, I've, I don't know, it's, it's 50, 50 because uh, the comments on the blog post, a lot, a lot of people were saying that, yeah, as a photojournalist, it's your duty and your job to document this for historical purposes. And then the yeah. other side were like, no, you're a human before you're a yeah. photojournalist, your duty to help your fellow man and then take photos. So I don't know. Right. I, I would definitely be on that side for me personally, but I know a lot of people will, I think people who would probably be a lot more wealthy than I would after that would, you know, document it first and then help them. It doesn't take very long to document it quickly and then help. It's not that true. big of a difference. But for me, I just don't have that instinct. I, I like right away would jump in. I feel like well, even they, in... They, they I want to have you jump in here too, because the other piece of it is, and I, I love this tangent that we're on, by the way, the other <laughs> the other piece of it is where like, if you're the photographer in that same situation and you, your personal circumstances are that, Hey, if I don't make my mortgage or rent payment next month, my family's going to be evicted and I got a three month old, right? Do, and if I take those pictures, all those problems will go away. But if, you know, if I don't help this person first, they may suffer irreparable harm. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Dave? Yeah, I, I think like what Sarah said, I think it depends on your mindset and what you're used to doing. So if you're a photojournalist, you probably would take the shot right away and then maybe go help. And yeah, but if you're, you know, like myself, I wouldn't, I would go help the person. And then who knows, maybe if like, I don't know, Jack Nicholson, you're like, Hey, can we have a selfie? You know, so both of you guys, better. both of you guys are shoot first, ask questions later, right? No. <laughs> uh, help first, help first shoot then. later. No, the reverse. So help first, then, yeah. or ask would, questions, yeah. then shoot. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely help first. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, my like my site is not about news and stuff like that. So I don't have that kind of, you know, mentality of always trying to gather news. So yeah. for me, I, I yeah, I'm right. not mindset. And the same with Sarah. She does weddings. So yeah. Yeah. But if yeah. you're a L.A., a struggling L.A. paparazzi. Yeah, and then that would be totally different if you like, yeah. you, know, you knew that picture was going to, you know, be like a two or three thousand dollar picture that somebody would pick up and you had to make your mortgage. Then, yeah. But what if what if the picture and I love these hypotheticals? What if what if the picture could somehow change the course of human history? Like it's it's that important like it's really? it's someone say it's someone politically. It's someone political that if you take if you shoot them. The world uh, will see them for who they really are, and it will change the, the course of history. Would you take the photo then, or would you help them? Am I a photojournalist, or am I, am I not? No, you're just, I you're just a human. You understand world events, right? You understand world events, and you see this person, and you take, you know, should you shoot a I photo guess. of this person, or should you <laughs> help them? And, I, the know. should and the would is the question because the should, yeah, I probably should, but would I just know I wouldn't. I just know like instinctually nothing in my body says take out my phone or, you know, and it, like it's yeah. just like, oh my gosh. But that definitely is amazing when I see photojournalists that are just, that's their instinct for sure. I can, I can see it, it yeah. but that's why there's so many different types of photographers in the world because yeah. we're all and that's so important. photojournalism is in you know whether it's video based or still photography based it's important because it allows yeah. it allows the the person that's taking the photo to tell a story in no way that could have been told many other ways so you can bring yeah. the world world awareness onto a particular topic of your choosing whether it be you know something war-based or homelessness or political or whatever, you can cover that photojournalistically and get the word out about it. 
I might actually be quick enough to think of having someone that's with me document it as I help them. That might be as close as I would get. So you're like, Jerry, you shoot. I want to go help him. Yeah. <laughs> get yeah. photos of me like, helping this person. <laughs> How do I look now? Yeah. How's my makeup? Do I look okay? Okay, let me go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but we'll we'll link to this. This is uh this is an interesting story. And in, every time I bring this story up to different people, people have different reactions. You know, this the the you know, going back to the story of the guy flying through the Amazon, because they're like some mm-hmm. people it's 50-50. Some people are like, of course you want to document it because otherwise we wouldn't have even known that they were there if there wasn't someone to take photos of it. And then the other side is leave them alone. You know, we've screwed up the rest of the planet. Let them have their little slice until they yeah. screw it up. <laughs> it's just cool. I mean, honestly, it is really cool to see. Yeah. Um, know. You know, so I think a lot of people even checking out the podcast are going to definitely want to go see the images because it is, it is neat. I mean, whether you agree or disagree with how it was, how it came about, it's still really kind of cool yeah. scenes since it's been done already <laughs> totally agree totally, yeah since those photons have been captured Somebody already you might as well look at them right? <laughs> <laughs> no. that's cool all right guys let's move on to uh story number two before we do that we're gonna take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors Have you ever wanted to go on a photo adventure in and around the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico? Well, come join me and Federico Chiele for an unforgettable adventure. The Yucatan Peninsula is in southeastern Mexico, and it separates the Caribbean Sea from the Gulf of Mexico. Our adventure will take us to see ancient pyramids, pink flamingos, crystal clear cenotes. Those are mysterious, giant, freshwater, underground holes. And we'll also be shooting and having amazing meals in charming historic town centers surrounded by authentic local culture. Yucatan blends ancient Maya and Aztec culture with the stunning architecture of the Spanish colonial period. We'll be staying in Izamal, known as the city of three cultures, pre-Hispanic, colonial, and modern. Izamal is a visual feast. Nearly every structure is painted egg yolk yellow, providing a thoroughly unique aesthetic for your camera. So the details. We're heading down February 11th through February 18th, 2017, and we're only taking 10 people. And I'd love for you to join us. You can get all the details and sign up now at twipwanderlust.com. That's twipwanderlust.com. All right, guys, we're back with story number two. So this one comes to us from our good friends over at Petapixel. Thanks, Petapixel. So uh, Magic Lantern, this is the headline, Magic Lantern Breakthrough lets you shoot lossless 14-bit DNGs in camera. So, and you guys can jump in if I'm explaining this wrong, because I... I I know what this is, but I've never, I've never like hacked one of my camera bodies. Essentially, what Magic Lantern software does is it, it in some cases enhances, in some cases altogether adds new features to your camera body. And in the case of this story, uh, they're adding 14-bit lossless DNG raw files to be recorded to the memory card within within the camera. So features that the manufacturer didn't necessarily give you, this third-party company somehow figures out how to fix it so that you have these features dave what 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 do you think of magic lantern software in general have you used it and should people be hacking their machines like this yeah i i'd say like two or three years ago um i was hacking i don't know i must have done two or three canon cameras from t2i to Mm -hmm. 5d mark three especially at the time that they allowed or figured out a way to shoot raw uh video on the 5d mark three um, yeah. And that was also to DNG as well. So I don't remember if that was 10 bit or 12 bit. I'm, I'm not sure why the story is coming back up again on the video side of things because um, they'd already done it years ago. And, you know, like I'd used it like on a real estate shoot um, where I needed more dynamic range than the Canon 5D Mark III was giving me and mm-hmm. um, more detail. And, and that was great. Um, so, I've hacked them. They it, it can unlock a lot of great features. Um, they've also, over the years, it's become more and more stable. But I think once they add a big new feature, um, they're very conservative. I think so. You is there, is there a downside to it? Because like in the case, this sounds a lot like jailbreaking your phone. So yeah. you, you yeah. get an iPhone and it doesn't do you know a lot of the things that you need to do. So third parties hack the phone and add features to you. But the result of that is now you're shooting or you're using an inherently unstable operating system 
because it's been modified by a third party. Is that the same? Because I would like if you're out on a main on a big mission critical job and you've updated all your cameras using Magic Lantern software. Could does it make things more unstable? Like, could your camera freeze up, or are they, like you said, more conservative so that that wouldn't happen? Yeah, it definitely. Um, even with the the most stable version, um, especially like on my T2i and 5D Mark III, it would like crash, and you'd have to remove the battery, reboot it, basically, yeah. um, to get it going again. And also on the you know another side of a negative, I guess you could say, is you know I remember Canon actually doing a firmware update to the 5D Mark III, and once they did it. Um, then all the Magic Lantern stuff would go away because I wanted to update the firmware on the Canon side. And then there was Canon got a little, I don't know what the relationship with Alex, because actually I had talked to Alex years ago, the guy that um, I think heads up this whole Magic Lantern project mm-hmm. and his relationship with Canon, because I think back then a few years ago, and I really haven't followed it since, but back then, if you updated it to like, I don't know what it was, point three or something like that, that wouldn't let you retroactively go backwards to get Mac- Magic Lantern again. There was oh. some, some type of thing where once you went up to that level, you couldn't go or they were, if I remember correctly, it's been a few years, they were actually kind of hiding the old firmware versions. So you go to the Canon site and like, usually there would be a history of all of those, but it would only list the, the latest one. And a lot of people were like theorizing, well, you know, that's Canon's way of trying to get rid of all this, you know, third-party stuff yeah. and, and basically i think it just runs in parallel um it's not like it's replacing the whole operating system of the camera there i, I remember you if i recall correctly you saying that you were moving your company over to sony at mm-hmm. some point but you used to be canon now you were nikon yeah. and then I you was were nikon. nikon when i was film uh i remember that because i still I had that 50 mil lens you gave me by the way yeah that's right <laughs> And then I switched to Canon when I went digital, so like a little while ago, long time ago. (laughs) And then um, I just recently started using the Sony. The whole team hasn't moved over yet, but we're gradually making kind of the adjustments and changes and seeing how everything fits together still. It's a lot of gear to like acquire but it's a great camera so it's definitely we're definitely excited about what sony's doing but, you, but i think when you, were, a, when you were shooting canon when you yeah. were shooting canon did you ever hack or update your oper- you know the, the operating systems in the camera with magic lantern i didn't and i think it's the same reason i don't hack my iphone you know i used to back in the day and i just yeah. it was always such a pain to like deal with well if something goes wrong you can't you don't want apple to know that you hacked it and then you gotta like do all these other things and so i just kind of got over it and just, just started going with the flow a little bit yeah, more yeah. but they definitely you got do. back in line get back in line yeah, I'm soldier like, I'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't mean it <laughs> but please give us these features you know <laughs> i can see why i mean i can definitely see why uh, magical lanterns creating these things i mean i don't know why canons not but i think it's i think that was my question (laughs) i think it's very interesting that i I, i'm sure they have their reasons for whatever but if somebody is creating a third-party software to do this you should be offering it yourself like thousands of people are downloading it clearly there's a market demand for it why and it's software and you make the hardware you could Why plug not? in your own <laughs> update just as easily as Magic Lantern can create one. Well, actually, well, a lot easier. Buy, buy Magic Lantern <laughs> Canon and make them part of your... <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do it? It's fine. <laughs> but there's this company doing it for you. That's what Apple does. That's what yeah. you know Facebook does. They bought Instagram. They're like, why reinvent the wheel? It's already yeah. created for don't me. Don't fight or, them. Buy them. Yeah. And I mean, them on, give them a floor Apple... and be done with it. Apple puts third party or apps or whatever out of business all the time. They're like, yes. what are the number one apps? Sweet. Let's make yeah. that like in, in the phone and we'll just kill, you know, our apps. Which That's is pretty much what it is. Yeah, Apple's yeah. been doing that forever though. You know, these oh, yeah. Yeah, the software developers will come out, some, come out with some awesome piece of essential <laughs> enhancement to the operating system yes. that everyone starts using. You don't know how you can live without it. Then magically in the next release of the OS, it's part of the operating system. <laughs> and that guy and is a cardboard like, oh. sign out. It works good, right? 
Uh, I'm sure he made plenty. Yeah, yeah, tons of this stuff. Yeah, it's it's sad that Canon, you know, I two or three years ago when I was using it, one of the big features that I loved about it from the video side of things was just having like peaking, so I could see what was in focus when I was focusing manually. Or they had, if I remember correctly, a zebras, um, so I could see what was um, clipping. Yeah. And that was, if I'm, if I understand it correctly. All that stuff was on the Digic 5 processor because I think, or back whenever, what, I don't even know what processor they're on now because I'm all Sony at this point. But back then, I thought that processor was used on some of their high-end cameras. And all those high-end cameras had, you know, peaking and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. So they wouldn't even give us a magic lantern. Just like, oh, we're just going to turn it on. It's right. not like, you know, it's already, it's there. We're just turning it on for you. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't understand Canon where, you know, Sony's, is like, what do you want? We'll just give it to you at this price yeah, point. You would, you would think that now it's yeah. time to burn the ships, Canon. You know, and just you know, either we're gonna win this or we're gonna go out like you know, three hundred. You know, <laughs> do something radical like that instead of just like oh, let's hold our cards and you know, maybe maybe you know, we're playing twenty one. Should I hit on fifteen? You know, come on, <laughs> just get aggressive. And for yeah. me, for me, when um, I stopped using Magic Lantern, basically, because I just moved to Sony. And when I got my A7S or my A7R2, all these cameras, they shoot 4K. Mm-hmm. And when they shoot 4K, um, the details there that I was getting from RAW, the dynamic range is increased because they're giving us S-Log. So I really didn't need to deal with all the struggles that you have with RAW because RAW workflow is just a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, so bottom line for both of you, well, Dave, you've tried this. So the for the person that's listening to this and hasn't tried Magic Lantern on their any of their cameras, say they have one camera. You know, they don't. They don't I would say don't if they have one camera, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Okay. You make a living from that camera, don't do it. But unless I, it's a feature that you can't do, uh, well, yeah. like don't just do it. Just say, oh, this is kind of cool. If there's, if you like, like in the case of this release, fourteen bit lossless DNG raw files, you're like, my life would be complete if only <laughs> I had fourteen bit lossless DNG raw files. Then update, right? But if you're just doing it just to say, hey, I got it on there, you know maybe hold off or let yeah. other people do it first and yeah. then watch watch online and see who's crying and wait for the tears to stop and then you do yours my recommendation is if you have one camera don't do it if you have two cameras um like you have two canon t2i's that you could you could pick up a t2i for like 150 bucks on ebay right now used and put it on there and yeah. then play around with it and see how stable it is because i don't know because like i said i haven't used it in two or three years so it could be incredibly stable where I, you know, I would I'd say maybe once a week of shooting, I would have to pull the battery out and put it back in. But most of the time it was pretty solid. It was, it was amazing what you could do with the darn thing. It's like, oh, these features were just fantastic. Yeah, but yeah. that one time that, you know, the camera dies and you're like, uh, and the client's looking over your shoulder or something and things are not going well, that's your only camera. I'd say, no, nah, don't do I it. Wish we could have, I wish we could have the tolerances for our gear that, the medical industry has for their equipment right so you know like the statement you just made you know it fails sometimes but that, that's okay i just take the battery out and back in like if medical equipment had that level of fault you know compliance then you know it would be a different world wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if that was the that wasn't the norm for for this kind of stuff or for software development uh, yeah, crazy. Yes. Yeah, I'm ranting this year. It's gonna be a ranting year. I can feel. <laughs> I'm angry. Uh-oh. I'm angry this Uh-oh. year. It's gonna be yeah. a ranting year. already. <laughs> already, Wait, it's only. An, it's, only uh, it's very early. We're in like the second week in January. Yep. We were to turn that bus around. No, <laughs> 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 no it's good. Well, let's move on to story number three, which comes to us from F Stoppers. This is good. Um, continuing the theme about what this year is going to be like. So this is 10 things to consider before starting a 365 project. Have either of you guys ever done a 365 project? No, I haven't. Hell, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why do you say hell no, Sarah? I, Commitment phobia? What, what's going I on? I mean, when I read these 10, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then there was a couple I was like, eh, anyway. but mm. I mean, I, I, I think that the biggest one for me was um, was two and three 
Two is just because lots of people do it doesn't mean it's right for you. Mm-hmm. And three is think about your goals. Is this the best way to achieve that? And so for me, it's not. I feel like the time commitment, the focus on getting one shot a day, um, it doesn't, that kind of thing doesn't inspire me. It, it really um, locks me down more. Mm-hmm. I enjoy working on something kind of like conceptualizing an idea and working on it for a while. And um, that's kind of what's more inspiring to me. The one shot a day, it, I mean, just for me, I feel like it's not right. But back in, you know, a different time in my career, it probably would have been perfect because mm. I would have like getting to know your gear, um, just understanding photography when you're learning, 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 and I'm still learning, learning, learning now, but I feel that now my focus is something like bigger or more specific or, so it just depends on what stage that you're in, um, mm. and what drives you and how, how you are creatively like inspired, I think. And this is definitely not, would not be the thing for me. (laughs) What about you, Dave? Would you, would you, you said you haven't done one of these. Would you consider doing a 365 project? For for the folks that don't know what a 365 project is, is when you can, you commit to yourself and maybe other people, if you're in like a Flickr group or something to post, to shoot and post one image a day. And usually the rules are you have to shoot it within the 24 hours that you post it. So you can't, be harvesting your Lightroom library and just throwing stuff up there. You got to shoot it and shoot it, retouch it, post it. And you have to do that every single day for 365 days to say that you've completed a 365 project. Mr. Dugdale, are you going to, that said, are you going to jump in and start one of these? No, definitely not. I feel like I share quite a bit already and and I don't need to share more, but I think there's some people like um, Alex Lindsay's sister. I can't remember her name. Um, yeah, Jennifer, I followed her a couple years ago and she did one of these projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was amazed what she could get every day. And I think it's great for some people. Um, let's say you don't have a normal nine to five job and maybe you've got access to plenty of talent, like kids growing up. Um, I think it's a, a fantastic thing to do. Um, if you've got that kind of time and the shots she was getting of her kids were so, the timing of her shots was so good. The composition was so good. I was like, how is she doing it? I would just follow her just because as a dad, I'm like, I got to do more of that. You know, I was really, it inspired me to shoot more. I think it's great for some people, but I think if you've got a normal job, then I think one of the, one of the quotes from the article was like, so, so off you go hunting around the house to get that shot before you go to sleep kind of thing where, yeah. you know, you're, yeah. you're like, oh, I got to go to bed, but wait, I got to shoot a shot. I'll yeah, shoot a shot on my foot, you know? Of course. It, like everything we talk about on this show has multiple facets, right? So on the one facet, Sarah, like you brought up, the repetition and just the, the commitment to the routine of doing a shot will form those synapses in your head of how your camera operates and will behave under cert- certain situations. So it's good, like basic training just to keep you going and, and shooting. On the other hand, <laughs> on, on the other hand, uh, part of it could be generating more pixel landfill, right? So <laughs> more mediocrity into the world, especially if you like, if you're shooting these and posting them, like you have to, if you forgot and you're like, just like, oh, I forgot to take the garbage out. Oh, now, oh, I forgot my 365 picture and you just go snap something. That's not doing what Sarah is talking about, where you're considering an idea and executing on it. I think if you mm-hmm. if you do what Sarah's talking about, where you consider your idea, you execute it on it, you, you're, you're doing a shot that's illustrating a story or an idea that's in your head, boom, you got it. That's your shot versus here's a shot of my garbage cans going <laughs> to get killed yeah. two birds with one stone. You know, it's different. What do you think, sir? They also talked about um, maybe considering like a 52 week. And I mm-hmm. was like, a 52 project is what they called it. And I was like, yeah. okay, yeah, I could I see that. I more that... like a 12, I think. Yeah, <laughs> once a month. I'm with you. Actually, a 12 would be perfect because I feel like you could really get the full fledge of like what you're going for. But mm-hmm. then um, I love the idea of, of almost like, um, creating a project out of it where it's something specific that you're doing for 12 months or something specific you're doing for 52 weeks. Maybe you're ca- 
capturing homeless, the homeless population, or maybe you're capturing um, your kids, or maybe, you know, it's something either personal to you or something that you feel like would be impactful to the world. And I feel like in that, I would be way more inspired to be a part of it. And I think that's the thing that I have a hard time wrapping my head around. And a lot of people probably come up with really great ideas of what to capture for the 365. Uh, maybe they try and focus on something. Maybe they're trying to perfect something in their work. Um, and I think there are, you know, great things that could come from that. And I think it would be really cool to follow someone doing it. I just wouldn't want to be the one. <laughs> you know who I was following that did something similar? Um, I don't know if he did it as a 365. It might have been a 12. I don't know. Um, or a 52. But he did, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Nace uh, from Flern.com, did, uh-huh. he did a composite shot where you shoot it, edit it, composite, like full-on commercial. And I think he did one a week for a while you remember that Dave like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and they did. were like fantastic they were, they were fantastic a, they blow your mind like yeah. social following yeah. Oh, yeah. because he was like yeah. that was the kickstart of him of, yeah. oh, of yeah. a lot of the stuff that he's doing and uh like seeing something like that and watching from afar is like wow okay because and then he's like posting tutorials as well yeah, so, yeah. oh yeah and yeah. I think I think if you're like showing and you're sharing your life i don't know if you guys know who like casey neistat is and how he how he was he doesn't vlog anymore but when he was doing it you really get to see inside of his life and what he's doing and i think this project could let people in if you want to let them in for me it's like that's a little bit too much but there's some people some people that don't mind sharing I don't like kind of I, I don't like to share because uh, I want people to think I'm exciting. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew the truth, <laughs> I was like, what What kind of stuff would he post? How How did How did you feel like he made it personal? Uh, I hadn't seen it from Aaron Aaron Nace or yeah. Casey Neistat or Casey. Oh, Which Casey, one? yeah, uh, Casey Neistat. He pretty much shares everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. We know him. We like, know his wife. We know her favorite oh, color. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah. know like how he feels about New York. We, we know everything about yeah. Casey Nice. Yeah. Oh, everything. Yeah. And he does it, and, and he edits so well. His editing style is just. Fantastic. Oh my god! He make he. You should just if if you guys are listening to this and you haven't seen Casey Neistat's mm-hmm. YouTube channel, you should just look at it just for editing. Yeah. You like Is inspiration. He the one that runs around on like his bi- his like yeah, the one. Yeah. Skateboard. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. who he is. Yeah. Yeah. He makes he yeah, makes yeah, right. he makes his yeah. vlogs look look so effortless, right? Yeah. It's just like oh, yeah. you just and it's it not that way. <laughs> hey, I'm just gonna film while I'm riding my skateboard in New York City. I'm like. Yeah. I wouldn't even ride a skateboard in New York City. And it's like a powered skateboard or something, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You guys are insane. But you're right. It's his whole life now. Everybody wants to be like him. Uh-huh. I feel like now yeah. most guys I know are like, how could I do that? That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's so. the – I'm not sure if he was the number one YouTube vlogger in terms of view count. But he's definitely up there. I mean, yeah, he's got like six yeah. million people. I, I think there's other people that have like twenty or thirty million. But I, I think he was the one doing it the best. Yeah. And then he stopped a few months ago. So yeah. But yeah, I think he stopped. Yeah. Well, well, he stopped, and then he sold his he sold his company to CNN. I believe it was Beam yeah. to CNN. Maybe yeah. 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 Interesting. This whole the whole world. The whole world of. Uh, of YouTube and photography and all this stuff is just, it's crazy. It's going to get crazier in 2016. This 365 project though, just to wrap that up, the article that we're linking to on F stoppers, it, it lists uh, 10 really good arguments for and against doing it. Right. So like Sarah was saying, you got to, you know, consider what what your overall goals are are you shooting on a theme those kind of things so yeah definitely go check it out and you know i'd be interested to know what you guys think in the in the comments for this show all right guys we're going to jump into listener q a this week's question comes in to us from jennifer and jennifer says i'm looking for some guidance on gear and maybe some travel tips This April, I will be traveling to Moscow and St. Petersburg for about a week. What I'm wondering is, number one, should I invest in a wide-angle lens? I have a 24-105 to that I use. 
And two, are there must-see places I should seek out in both places? And then number three, how do you scout out a place before you go there? All right. Who travels the most between us? <laughs> that would be Sarah. I, I'm going to say Sarah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sarah's always on the go, right? <laughs> so, Sarah, what, what do you think? 24 to 105? Um, I'm uh, thinking she's doing travel and landscape types type photography, right? Yeah, that's really tough for me because when people ask me what lens to get, like I love primes, so it's tough. I I feel like if you're going to bring a 24 to 105, great, but you should also bring a prime. I would bring like a 50 or a 35, something that you can really just get some good shallow depth of field, get a little creative with it, have a really sharp, beautiful lens that you can um, just really use your body as the zoom. That's something I've always really enjoyed. And I feel like those lenses just give you a better image quality. Um, So that would be, I could, I say 24 to 105 is great. I mean, you literally can capture everything, but it's probably like an F4 lens, I would guess. Um, and so it's not going to give you any kind of create creative outlet when it comes to depth of field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely bring a prime with you. The other thing I'd say, it sounds like she might be on a crop sensor is my other thing. Cause she says, should I invest in a wide angle lens? Mm-hmm. And otherwise I feel like a 24 is pretty, is pretty wide. It's usually the widest that I shoot. Um, cause I don't like to get a lot of the distortion, but um, a 16 to 35 is a really great lens. I I think I would still, I'm not a landscape photographer though. So that's kind of tough. The last time <laughs> I went to shoot landscapes in Ireland, I ended up shooting a woman's uh, wedding dress line <laughs> in Ireland from somebody I met on a plane. So I don't know how to shoot landscapes. So like it, it takes so much patience and understanding. So Um, but I know it does, you don't necessarily need a wide angle lens to shoot a landscape. A lot of times when you shoot with a wide angle lens, everything just looks really small or it can be a little bit distorted. So I I think you'll be fine with a 24, 105 and a prime would be my suggestion. And then I have sadly never been to either of those places, or I would love to give you some advice on where to go, but I do think that. I do a lot of research online, just looking at images and imagery from those areas and seeing what areas kind of entice me the most visually. I suggest creating a Pinterest board. I love just kind of um, using Pinterest to discover some great places and also just pinning from the web to kind of figure out where you want to go. And then you'll photographers find the most amazing locations that you would never find just when you walk up and ask someone um, there. But there is also a lot of value in locals that can give you some insight to places that they love too. So I like to do a combination. I come with like a list and then I go into a bar and strike up a conversation and try and find someone who's got some hidden gem that no one knows about. Nice, nice. Like Indiana Jones right? You're looking for the temple of doom. Can you tell me where the temple of doom is? Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Secret door and behind my bar. The old man in the corner back there has a map. Someone knows. When I was in Ireland, again, there's this old man. I'll never forget. I have a video of him speaking to me. And I literally thought he was speaking another language because his accent was so thick. I had to watch the video back and be like, what did he say? But he had this, just one of the most amazing experiences, a great character to capture, um, had some really great insight of, of areas around the island because he'd lived there for 40 years. Um, so I think that there is a lot of value. Look for the oldest person you can find that looks like they've lived there forever. And that's who you want to talk to. Yeah, yeah, totally. And what I, what I would do great advice on the lens and all that. Um, as far as scouting out places, I would suggest Google's your friend. Google images is your friend specifically to get ideas. Um, Pinterest is also your friend. Um, Airbnb is your friend. If you're going to an area that they're at, go look at the Airbnb page and, you know, see how gorgeous they've made that location look. Um, and otherwise, you know, just sit down and, 
with your laptop or you're in front of your computer and just build a folder of ideas so that when you go there, you kind of go in with a plan versus the tourist that shows up with every lens they could possibly purchase just in case something exciting might happen. You show up knowing that, hey, these five pictures, I'm going to try to get shots like this and go to those five places and then, you know, spread out from there. Dave Dugdale, what about you? What do you, what do you say to Jennifer on these on her question here? I think if I was going there, I've never been there either myself, but um, I think I would love to take a really wide lens. I would probably, with my Sony cameras, I would definitely take like the Alpha 6500, which is a crop sensor, and I'd take the 10 to 18, which is more like a 16 to 35. And then I would take this this lens right here as a 16 to 70 um, crop okay. lens. It's really small and lightweight because she didn't really say how she's traveling. Cause if you're with yeah. kids, like I was in LA last week and I brought my RX 100 Mark V, which is this tiny little one. Yep. And this thing is fantastic. It's a 24 to 70. Um, and you know, we went to the Rose Bowl parade and all that stuff. Fantastic 4k does everything. And it just goes right in my pocket. I love it. Nice. And when you fit your family, that kind of camera works really well. But if she's, let's say, single and maybe she's traveling with another person and she's got a lot of time to just stop and, you know, look at the scene and, and spend a whole hour at this one location and just shoot, you know, I can never do that with my family. They're like, yeah. oh, let's go. Dinner time. Or let's go get a snack. or Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I can never do that. I'm usually the one behind and they're ahead of me like 100 steps. And I'm always like, snap, snap, snap. Oh, I'll get a catch up. You know, that kind of thing. They never, yeah. they never wait for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so for me um, not, that sounds horrible by the way <laughs> no. like, but there's this picture the sun will be right in two minutes no dad come on yeah so <laughs> so for nice. me i would i would definitely take a like a like a 10 to 18 something really wide if i went there and then i would take a like a 24 to 70 i wouldn't take like a 70 to 200 there would be i mean i might put it in my bag and i i bet you i would never pull it out yeah. um if i traveled all the way there um but i think you know, if it's a family vacation, I'm taking something that fits in my pocket, like the RX 100. If it's by myself and I got time to burn, yeah, then I'll I'll pick out my A7R2 or something like that and shoot like primes and stuff like that. I'll take a bunch of different lenses. Yeah, yeah, and the other the other uh, the other part of this is enjoy the trip as well, right? Yes. So you don't always need to be shooting pictures. Just leave the camera in the at home or in the hotel room bring your phone and you know so you can get some shots if you need to but enjoy that part of the world moscow st petersburg and you're gonna be there for a week enjoy it you know don't don't be trying to stress yourself out by documenting it and then missing it and have to relive it through the photos that you were taking. <laughs> i made that mistake younger when i was younger i traveled to italy and i have all these amazing amazing photos from it but i'll never forget we were in Siena, maybe they were doing like the bulls in this arena where people like the bull running i don't even remember exactly what it was but it was some like momentous occasion and i'm off in a side alley shooting a couple kids that were with us like teenagers and i'm like this is so great and i find out later that i missed this whole thing like and they missed it too i felt horrible i'm like never again it's explore yeah. first. This is not like a fashion shoot. Like this just needs to be time for, you know, to enjoy. But I was just so excited about space and how beautiful it was that sometimes you can miss the experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think you, Ralph Ralph Velasco, he's a guy that runs photo enrichment tours. It's a it's a, a workshop company that does photo photo workshops around the world. And he named the, the the tours, instead of calling them workshops, he calls them photo enrichment tours, where you're touring a new area or somewhere foreign to you, and there happens to be photography kind of seasoned in there. But it's more about experiencing the place, eating new foods, meeting people, you know, that that kind of thing. I think that's a, that's a good way to, to approach this stuff. Um, and we were talking to Andy Biggs a couple of weeks ago, and Andy was talking about how he went to Africa once, I believe. And he, he's, well, he's been many, many, many times, but one of the times he went, he brought only his iPhone to shoot with. <laughs> and I said, I said, see, that is misleading information because if you're going to Africa like a hundred million times a year versus the person that's going to go there once in their entire life, maybe if they're lucky, 
of course you can afford to just bring your iPhone on one of those trips. <laughs> Somebody like me that may go and not ever be able to get back, I have to be, you know, prepared for certain things or just mm -hmm. be able to shoot whatever. But yeah, this is fun. Yeah, I hope that answers your question, Jennifer. Travel tips to to Moscow. I think the takeaway from that is enjoy your time there first and foremost. Um, don't take too much gear. Sarah's saying a twenty four to one hundred five might do you right. Just make sure you maybe bring a fast wide prime if you can swing it um, as well. And then um, as far as scouting out, we give a ton of tips on that too. So Google. Google Images, you can search by location um, or tag at least on Flickr, go to Airbnb if you're going, you know, I'm pretty sure they're in Moscow, so take a look at what's what shots that they have in the local areas around the different places that they're advertising, so do some homework and pick, pick five, three to five shots that you're absolutely going to do in each one of those towns, Moscow and St. Petersburg, and go for those shots, and then yes, you can shoot around that, but go for the, the shots that you've chosen and then you'll leave with at least feeling like you accomplished your mission. You guys have anything to add to that before I move on? The only, yeah. I, one of the things I like to do is I'll do this, like I'll look through Flickr or, or something at the location and I'll find one shot. I'm like, all right, I want to like totally rip it off, steal it and just for my own use kind of thing. I just yeah. want to totally recreate it. Just And what usually happens is you set up the camera, you try to get the composition right, and you're doing all this, maybe you bracket, you do all this stuff, and you go back and process it, and you're looking at his image, and you're looking at and everything's very different. It, even though you got the, maybe at the same time of day, you, you nailed it. But what I found is that whole process, you really get in the mindset of that other person, what they mm -hmm. did and on that day, and the lighting and how they process the image later. And I learned a ton. And I might not ever show that photo, but I think it's a fantastic exercise just to do like one, find one just utterly fantastic image and see if you can reproduce it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Because then you take off the stress of, okay, I have to be an amazing photographer. I have to capture a shot in Moscow that has never been done before. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so instead, you take the pressure off and say, this is a fantastic shot. I'm just learning. I want to try to do this shot. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, brilliant. Oh, and I love Dave's suggestion about the wide because I think you're right. Like even some 16 to 35 stuff is really great for like um, architecture, I find, because you have so many people around. That if you have a longer lens, sometimes it's hard to like cut people out, but sometimes it's fun to get like up close and personal. So if she has a, I think a, a wide would be another good option too to keep with her. Yeah. Yeah. And Jennifer, I'm just going to throw on here. You might want to make sure you bring a drone with you just so you can fly <laughs> over the Kremlin. You know, I think they'll, they'll be OK with that. Right. <laughs> totally. There's no, I that, right? <laughs> no one in the TWIP army, please do not fly an authorized aircraft over Moscow or any part <laughs> of Russia. <laughs> so, OK, cool. guys. Let's uh, let's move on. It's time for the picks of the week segment. Remember, you guys can pick anything to recommend. To the Twippers out there, as long as it is somehow related to photography. Sarah France, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick of the week? I have a lot of photography stuff I wanted to recommend, but I'm so deep in finances right now. And it's such a big part of business. And I'm always talking about it with my team and with other photographers. And, and so I wanted to recommend a couple of things I think that can make that part of people's businesses and lives a little bit easier. Um, a couple of those. One is QuickBooks Self-Employed is a new, it's an it's online bookkeeping basically, but they have an app that makes it really simple if you use like your same account for like business and personal. Um, I can't use it because we're a little bit too big, but I really, 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 really wish I could <laughs> because you just like swipe one direction if it's personal and swipe another direction if it's business. I'm like, oh my gosh, that would be so nice. And you can categorize from there, but I just think that if you can make bookkeeping easy, it's going to be so much better for you. And if you can make it instant. So another thing with this is it shows up right away. So even if it's just pending, you can still like say what it was. And it's so much easier to remember what things are like a couple days ago than like three months ago when you sit down to do bookkeeping finally. So that's one of them. The other one on the personal side of things is um, a company called Simple. And it's actually a 
it's actually a bank. So it's a software that they attach to a bank. Recently, they switched banks that they're associated with. So because I didn't really understand how that worked, but they offer joint accounts just recently and also individual accounts. But the thing with Simple is you can do that same kind of thing, but for your personal accounts, like what is this, file it, that kind of thing. But the real amazing part of this is that it keeps a log, like you can set goals. So let's say you put all of your bills in as goals, like this is due then, this is due then, this is how much I want to spend on groceries, this is how much I want to spend on going out. And then as you do it, you just allocate it to those things. And at the top, it always gives you a safe to spend. So if you've got your mortgage and all of these things kind of set up, it's similar to like what you would see when you're budgeting and like Quicken or something like that, but it's live. You don't have to go into a software. You don't have to like see where you're at today and tomorrow. You can actually do it right from the app. So yeah, I really loved that, especially with a joint account. I think when you're sharing an account with somebody, it's hard to consistently communicate like, oh, don't take money out. We've got this coming out or, mm-hmm. oh, we need to keep this much money in the account. You just see a dollar amount and and it's hard to kind of keep up with that. So um, I love that they came out with the joint accounts and um, we're really excited to be using it. It seems really amazing. They're a very new company, but um, they've been doing great things and you get, you basically get um, a simple bank account card, just like you would from Chase or anyone else that you use. Um, so it is a bank account. And then you just allocate funds. You can transfer funds around, That's and cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of. It sounds a little bit like a like a, a more adult version of PayPal, where they're they're tracking. You can use their card to pay for things, but it, more modern well, and less less rats nesty than PayPal. I think about I can't stand PayPal, so that association was really hard for me because <laughs> they're they have zero bookkeeping capabilities they on the back end. The money. That's oh it. my <laughs> god! So I don't even use PayPal at all, but I think of it as like a bank with Quicken on the front end of it. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like your bank account, like you'd log into Chase, and instead of saying I have two thousand oh. dollars, it says you have $2, you know, or whatever your safe to spend is. So it's a way to connect your budgeting with your bank account and have it all together and, and seamless. So the card isn't necessarily like a credit card. It's, it's your bank card, just similar to like Chase. So it's, it really is amazing that they finally connect those two. The the way you, you describe it, it, it handles expense sorting. So it's basically like Tinder, Right where you're swiping <laughs> left, left <laughs> for business and right for personal. You're like yes, no, yes, no. Right off, not a right off. Right off, not a right off. <laughs> you exactly. want to be swiping right off, right off, right off. There you go, so, right yeah. off. Love and it. both of those great softwares, you can handle your business and your personal. I'm gonna check Simple out for sure. That's you that's really should. That's cool. so cool. Very cool. So QuickBooks, self-employed, and Simple. Okay. All right. So I think I linked to the right place. Was I showing the right screen for that, sir? I didn't look at your screen, but I will correct you if you were wrong and I'll make okay. sure you have the right links in there. Yeah, I think it's simple. Simple, simple.com. That's yep, a pretty simple, simple URL. It's How much did you guys pay for that? Jeez. Gosh, you got, I know. I thought the same thing. I'm like, wait, it can't be that. That's too easy. It can't be that simple. And it is. It is. Simple.com. All right, cool. All right, and Dave Dugdale, man, what is what's your pick of the week? Uh oh, you're muted, Dave. Oh, sorry. There we go. There you go. <laughs> Too many coughs. Um, so I'd say in the last couple of years, there's a definite trend happening in the YouTuber tech community. They like the guys that cover like computers and graphics cards and stuff like that. They're really upping their game. They're adding different things. They're trying different things. And one of the things I've noticed is their lighting. They're actually adding like um, colored lights into their shot. And so I was like, you know, and I know there's a few of them that are just creating just amazing videos. They're getting the color contrast from like their skin to something in the back wall. So I don't know if this demonstration will actually work or not because I've got it actually on my phone. But you see behind me for those people that are listening to audio won't be able to see this. But I can actually like raise and lower that light behind me. You see how it yeah. just went down? Uh-huh. But I can also, with the app, 
I can press on and I can choose a color. So if I want to make it, let's say, red, I can make it red. Or if I want to make it green, I can make it green. If I want to make it blue. And the reaction time, this is actually going to like a box next to my router downstairs in the basement. Reaction time is just insanely fast. Um, and so and you've got, I think it's up to a billion different colors or something like that. So this starter kit is from, it's called Philips Hue. Here, let me find uh, the actual name of it. It's called Philips Hue white color ambience a19 starter kit wireless light system third generation so this is like their third try at it i guess but um it's really um quite good um and i yeah there you go it's up on the um the video thing. yeah <laughs> and um i've been playing around with it i'm trying to i'm really into color lately um and it's funny look at that i actually changed the background to be blue and now what click happens to my face the auto white balance on my Logitech. So if you got like, have you ever been to Adobe color? Would start uh-huh, with a K, yeah. K. You can find complimentary yeah. colors and stuff like that. And you can plug them into the phone. This thing does so many different things. You can set your whole house up and download an app and then play music. And then the lights will adjust to the music. It has all this really fun stuff. So you can basically have a disco at your house. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> set up a club. And it's got like oh, geo yeah. yeah, I meant club. I'm dating myself, yeah. I didn't mean disco. <laughs> I meant club. <laughs> and it's like if it's got geofencing, so when you get home, it knows to like turn on. It could be a time of day. It could change the colors. But for me as a, a YouTuber and just adding that little bit of splash of interest, uh, maybe in the background or trying to light something up, um, it's worked out pretty well. I, I enjoy it. The only thing I would say, it's getting some <coughs> slight flicker. But um, what was really odd is I was actually demonstrating this in a couple of videos ago, like last week on my channel. And I was saying, hey, can you see the the banding happening, the flickering happening from the light because it's a different frequency? Um, and then everybody in the comments said, no, I couldn't see it at all. So whatever happened to my 4K render to YouTube, all the banding went away. So it took actually, it away. It took uh, away. maybe it works really well. So um, I'm really happy with them. They're kind of expensive, but um, for the things that you can do to get those really saturated colors, if you're trying to do it yourself um, with like gels, you'd have to own like mm-hmm. gazillions of gels. So yeah, it's, I think it's, yeah, they're, it's, they're a lot of fun. That's interesting. And are, are you, Dave, are you on an iPhone or Android? I'm an iPhone person. Are you using the the home kit? Like can you in other words, can you tell Siri to activate yes. different like color so lighting I, scenarios? If I were to tell Siri and I were to, to name this um light U Hefner, for instance, I could say turn yeah. off, turn off or turn on U Hefner. <laughs> <laughs> See you I, you painted yourself into a box there. You see what you did? <laughs> That's usually what the Playgirl bunnies are for yeah. that. So that's actually that's actually not my joke. There was another guy that did a review on it, and he said that I just started cracking up when he said that. <laughs> okay. so turn on you Hefner, and the light turns on. I was like, what? Nice. So, yeah, you can get you can you can control it with Siri. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I keep hearing more and more about those lights. I'm resisting, but you know, hey, why? 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 Because you know, I want in my upstairs. This is like you know ridiculous issues but in the upstairs of my house there are only a couple places that have canned lighting and i feel yeah. like those would be awesome in canned lights where yeah. you could just like dial in and say yeah you know or even tie it in because i knew you can tie those into if this then that yep yeah. so i could tie it in to say you know what if my apple watch says my heart rate is above 80 turn the lights red <laughs> you know? yeah and this is how to do it. Whenever I get to like, a heart rate gets high, the lights change. That would be or, sick. Or some, some people actually set it up to where they get mentioned in a tweet, the lights start flashing a certain color. It's like, that's awesome. And a little <laughs> applause crowd soundtrack plays for a minute. <laughs> I love it. That's not narcissistic. It could be like their emotion detector for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, you know, the obvious thing is, you know, you could set it to romantic mode. Oh, know, yeah. Or, yeah, the quiet, I would have mine as quiet storm mode, you know, <laughs> so. Or for us with families, it's like kids' bedtime. You're like, yes. okay, dim the lights. Yep. It's reading time. Turn on this light over here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. 
I can see that happening. So that thing, uh, that kit that you linked to, uh, Dave, is what is it? 200 bucks? And 200 you get three, bucks. You get three you get lights in it. Yeah. And then you can just go hog wild and buy more once you get addicted to it. Yeah. Which you would, I'm sure. Yeah. And these, they're, they're, they're bright enough? You feel like they're bright enough for like can light fixtures or? Yeah. Or... Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. They're pretty darn bright. I, I don't, that's a good question. I didn't even look at the luminance rating. Um, yeah, yeah. But they, they're, they're, I would say they're probably a 60 watt equivalent. Okay. Okay. Do you know how many lights the controller controls? I think it can control quite a few because it'll do separate rooms and like your whole house. I think, yeah, it, I think it could do, I can't remember the number, but it was a lot. It's not like one controller per zone. It has like tungsten. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's there's like on the app here, I'll show you real quick. So this is the color. You can see the color wheel. Yeah. And then you go where it says whites and then you can dial in all the different, I know it's, this Logitech phone, but I'm switching around and you can see that's a cooler white or I'll go to warm. Oh, nice. can, you, can you punch in, can you punch in specific color temperatures? Ooh, um, I would bet with a, the one of the, there's so many different apps that you can download. You can actually yeah. put in the value. Um, yeah. I don't know how you do it on their, the Phillips app itself, which is actually a really good, really good app. All right. Good. All right. You guys are costing me all kinds of money on the show. Right now. <laughs> I need to do that, but I gotta, yeah, I want, I need a, I need a bigger kit than that. I need something. I have ideas that I want to do. All right, guys. Um, I don't have a pick this week, so I'm going to leave it to both of you guys and your amazing picks. Since Sarah, you kind of had two picks anyway. So it's fine. And you like simple, so you can keep that one. (laughs) I do like simple. Simple is my pick of the week. Just uh, (laughs) something I'm going to be trying. All right, guys, we're at the end of episode 499 of This Week in Photo. Dave Dugdale, where can people go to check in with you and see what you're working on? Uh, Learningvideo.com. I'm on Twitter at Dugdale. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram, Um, Facebook. Yeah, a lot. Just learning video, you'll find me. Uh, I'm around. On YouTube, have you, how many millions of followers do you have on YouTube, subscribers? Uh, I don't know, like 180,000. No, nice. I don't, I'm not like Casey Neistat. I don't have six million. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah, yeah. Hundred eight thousand is nothing to sneeze at. at no. All. Cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on. We we always appreciate having you guys on. Sir Thank France, you. what about you? What's uh, what's happening in your world? Um. Well, you can always find me online, but my website is sarahfrance.com or francephotographers.com. We are launching a new version of the website, hopefully this week, maybe nice. before this even goes out. So um, if it looks really web-friendly or iPhone-friendly, mobile-friendly, that's it. <laughs> if it doesn't, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and nice. then, so hit, hit the website on your iPad, iPhone, or Android device, right? Yes, please. And send us your feedback. It's um, been a project for a while, as they usually are. So we're really excited to get it out there. But you can always find us on Instagram, too. My personal stuff is on Sarah France, and um, more of our images is on France Photographers. Love it. Cool. France Photographers. Yes. All right. Uh, we're at the end of another episode of the show. Remember, TWIP Army, you can help TWIP keep expanding by just liking and following us on different social networks and all that good stuff. You can subscribe to all of our shows or our other podcasts at thisweekinphoto.com. All of our cool podcasts and several other resources are located on that site. And now it is time to take that lens cap off. Oh, 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 oh,